Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The offside rule, we get it. It's brought to you by Continental Tires. Hi there, and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it with myself, Hayley McQueen, Lindsay Hooper, and Kate Borsay. Hi there, girls. Hello. Hello, nice to have you back with us. I hope that you've been listening to each and every podcast this season. <laughs> yeah, otherwise we're going to get you. Yeah, 24th episode actually of season three, so you better have listened to them all. We put so much time and effort and research into this, we haven't been scrambling around at all um, looking for hints and, and Googling bits of information as we head into this podcast brought to you by Continental Tyres. It's just been one of those weeks, hasn't it? We're all here going, oh, because one of our tasks when you come to say what the topics are, topic two in particular um it isn't our specialist area let me say so rather than leaning on our foreign experts like we usually do we've had to look abroad we certainly have so we've got plenty for you this week england women they lost against usa however they put in a pretty good performance there's lots of positives to take heading into the women's world cup out in canada so we actually have interviews and quite a bit of reaction that we'll bring you with uh, the manager mark Sampson and also fran kirby of england and reading as well we have Twitter Topic of the Week brought to you by the lovely Sean Thorne, one of our very few males on the team with a Valentine's theme. The female take on football. Right, let's tell you about the topics that we're going to be discussing today. Our final topic, which is always fun and games. And it's funny how we managed to get some of the same people into the podcast every single week. We had to mention Zlatan Ibrahimovic last week. Well, guess what? He's got to mention again for, for all the right reasons, but slightly wrong as well. You may have seen pictures of him with these new tattoos. He's had tattooed names of 50 starving people on his body to show support. Which This is great, by the way, for the United Nations World Food Programme before a match that he played in. It's just extreme, isn't it? So we're going to be looking at some of the other charities or charitable things that footballers or football people have done to highlight that they do do good for the world. Now, I am issuing a warning here that there's no repetition on this Mm. because we have covered this slightly before, but we promise you it won't be like Groundhog Day. We're going to make sure we've got some new ones. Yeah. What it is, as Hayley pointed out to us when she set the topic, footballers do so much good, it needs to be reported on again. I can hear people vomiting. (laughs) It's so true. At the moment. It's it's very true. Okay. well, we had a a bit of a Premier League break, didn't we, for FA Cup weekend. We'll be getting very excited when that resumes. And then the Champions League is back Mm. for us as well. And uh, European football. So we're going to be discussing performers and performances We've got our own little award ceremony, which is our first topic, which we'll come round to in a moment. But off the back of that, we're going to check on the title races elsewhere in Europe at the moment. So we're going to focus on title contenders, top scorers and maybe even standout performers. But the first topic that we'll get to and the Oscar goes to because, of course, we're in the middle of award season and it's the Oscars coming up at the weekend. Oscar himself could have been dealt out a couple of awards, but he's kind of out of the running at the moment. But we're going to discuss and hand out some awards for the season um, from the Premier League. So we'll all perhaps pick our own. I'm guessing that some of us might have the same answers or nominees Mm. 
And then we can just decide on an all-round. If you're listening at home, please feel free to tweet us as well and get involved at Offside Rule Pod. Can we show out some Oscars now? Yes, right, quickly, <laughs> let's go. This is going to be quick fire. Give us your, your winner and we will hand out those shiny gold awards. Well, leading male... I'm going to start by saying Diego Costa would have been up there at one point. Yes. However, he slipped down the rankings yeah. because one young man has really imploded mm. on the Premier League scene and that man is Harry Kane. Oh. Harry Kane, for me, gets leading male. Me too. I've gone with Harry Kane. I also love the fact, bit of gossip here, his Valentine's evening, he whisked his childhood sweetheart, Katie Goodland, off to Marbella. Where did he go in Marbella? What footballer do we know who has a restaurant in Marbella? The Bents. The Bents. He went to David Bentley's part-owned wow. restaurant. Yes. OK, well, mine is, I've gone with the Chelsea player and I've gone with Ed Nazard. Nine goals, six assists. I knew one of you two would potentially go with Harry Kane, so I thought I'd stick with Hazard. <laughs> so the award for best performance from a lead male goes to Harry Kane. What about best supporting role? I feel that we might all be the same on this one, maybe. Um, because I suppose supporting in footballing terms means assisting and the man with the most assists and the man who's been talked about ever since he returned to the Premier League has been Cesc Fabregas. So Cesc Fabregas is my best supporting male. Yeah, out and out the most assists goes to Fabregas, but I've gone next down with eight assists. In fact, a couple of players um, have eight assists, two of which are Angel Di Maria and Leighton Baines. But I've gone with Angel Di Maria, first season in English football eight assists in 17 appearances so his assist to game rate is better than Leighton Baines and the other guys I think Gilfie Sigurdsson's there as well on eight well this is one man who was a great for many years for my hometown team Middlesbrough and kind of disappeared off the radar kind of flopped at a couple of clubs and actually I think one of the reasons why West Ham are doing so well right now we know they're without Andy Carroll for the rest of the season but what about Stuart Downing okay Two less assists than eight, just the six, but five goals from him as well. Christian Eriksen, uh, a real contender up there, nine goals, but just the two assists. So if it has to be for best supporting role, obviously with the midfielder, I think Stewie Downing, because he offers something a little bit different from the left. I've just gone with him just to, just to put the cat amongst the pigeons. So who do we award the award to? Do we have to put this out on Twitter? I think we do give it to Sesk, really, don't we? Because he has out and out the most assists. But um, good arguments there from myself and Haley. I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very well done. Uh, what's next category? The next category is best director. Mm. So who has been the best manager in the Premier League up until now? Well, out and out... Just purely for his arrival, everyone's saying the team probably were going to get relegated. Oh, you've gone for the same as me. Well, this is what it's all about, Kate. <laughs> we don't want to all be different because we want the awards to go out to someone. So Southampton's Ronald oh. Koeman has to be, doesn't it? Because he's worked wonders, he's got a team playing United. And the thing that I like the most about him is his philosophy of football, the fact that he trains in a way that anyone can fit those positions. I say anyone, obviously they've got to be talented enough. But I don't think come the next summer transfer window if Southampton lose a whole load of players again I don't think it's going to be a problem I think the system works I think they've got it nailed are they going to lose a whole lot of players or are they going to lose a manager he was linked wasn't he with the with the Barcelona job but my vote goes to Dutch Ron as well so uh, Ronald Koeman all the way I listen fourth in the table um, in those Champions League places at the moment still there you know we didn't think that we'd see them there after Christmas and they're still there he was exactly mine as well and you've pretty much summed him up so he unanimously has one best director what about box office hit what are the games that we've watched so far one game in particular 
particular that has been so entertaining it deserves to win an award. There have been quite a few. There have been a few weekends where there have been goals galore. Well, seeming as Chelsea are the Premier League leaders, I'm a little hesitant to go for this one, but I will. Because I think Chelsea, of course, are accredited with providing us with much entertainment. Jose Mourinho not turning up to press conferences. Diego Costa scoring so many goals. Um, I think it's been great free-flowing football. However, it's a game that they lost that I think might be the game of the season so far. And that's when Spurs beat them five goals to three. We had eight goals. We had Harry Kane. We had unpredictable predictability it had every ingredient that we love in the Premier League and the thing is we have to remember the Premier League is in England and what do we like in England we like the underdog Mm. and we like English players scoring as well who is one of the lead contenders in, in my particular match which is Manchester City against Sunderland because this it's like the script was written for Frank Lampard wasn't it okay we know Manchester City against Chelsea and him scoring goals there great but against Sunderland they were without Joe Hart so a Sunderland team three points above the relegation so helping to climb even further away thought maybe maybe we could just do this they've got no Joe Hart but City were unbeaten in 11 league games Sunderland were woeful just one win in 10 games but they did manage to put two past City nobody predicted it And it was a dramatic winner as they beat them with Frank Lampard, a header, and he came off the bench to do it as well. And that is what we like to see when you just think, could it be Frank? The commentators were getting very excited about this prospect with the new Manchester City hero stepping up and saving the day. I'm going to look to the Champions League for my game of the season so far. You would have heard it on our Europods, actually. This is on match day five when Manchester City, against the odds, started to claw their way back to make it through the group stages and uh, through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Uh, This was the game against Bayern Munich. As I said, match day five. City were trailing 2-1 with just five minutes to go. That would have basically written off their chances of progressing through the group stages. Up steps Sergio Aguero. Do you remember this? He scores a great opportunist equaliser, then a great clinical winner as well to give them the win in that game. Against the odds, 3-2 against Bayern Munich. They then, of course, had to play Roma. Not so so much at stake for that one. But yeah, that to me cemented City's place in the Champions League. A really great dramatic match. That's a really good choice, actually. Hayley, are we going to go with that one? I think we should, although... Yeah. I do like yours, to be fair. I do like yours, mm. to be fair. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Burn- Burnley have been involved in some yeah, good games have, so far yeah. this season. I wouldn't have thought that Burnley well, Crystal Palace was a classic 2-0 down mm. for Palace to, to bring it back round and win in emphatic style. Well, we can't go for them all. I'm, I'm thinking that Manchester City in the Champions League probably yeah. is standout, so let's go with that one. Um, I understand from your list that you presented me with, Hayley McQueen, that the next is best animation, mm. the most dramatic player. I've taken a slightly different spin on this. Oh slightly. Mm. I just think the drama involved with this player in particular is just unreal. You cannot believe it. You just wince when you think about the season that he's had. Coming back from injury, Andy Carroll starts firing in the goals, showing that he's returned. He's returned to great form, earned his place in a very good West Ham team that had got Enna Valencia and Sacco scoring for fun. He managed to clamber his way back in gets injured again. Drama. The drama once more of Andy Carroll being on the sidelines. I've just got to feel so sorry for him out until the end of the season. It's just, it's just, oh, I, I don't know. You, you know, you just think maybe you shouldn't be a footballer. Like, like, like it's, there's so much heartache involved in Andy Carroll's career, isn't there? I really actually felt for him on, on that latest injury. I really yeah, did. No, I did. Really yeah. did. Um, 
any more drama? I'm not going for drama on the pitch. I'm going for drama off the pitch. And I'm going for someone making a drama of something. Okay, so I've twisted this as well, Hayley. Yeah. No, this isn't. I'm going to hand my dramatic award of the season to UEFA for their decision to ban Markovic for four games for just flicking his finger in a player's face. When you think about what goes on on the football pitch, when Liverpool played Basel in the Champions League in December, he did. He, he, I mean, he shouldn't have done it, but he just just a little finger flick. There was no biting involved. There was no punching. There was no harassing. Just a finger flick. He got three match ban for that. He then picked up an extra match ban because he was not last season as well um, so four ma- he's, he's out for four games for a finger flick will you stop saying finger flick <laughs> I'm moving on swiftly <laughs> and talking about swiftly going down swiftly my most dramatic moment so the uh, best animation at Wayne Rooney dare I say it what Shrek yeah <laughs> off the back of that Preston game I was embarrassed he oh, went I, down I, I agree thought... with Kevin Coban oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. but yeah I think you're being a little bit harsh to Rooney there because I think if you're going to go down the route of diving, I think there would be much worse, much, much worse. If he'd have tried to stand up on that, I think he might have got injured. So I I will stick up for Rooney there. I think you need to go with me or Kate. Who are you going to go with? I can't remember yours now. I know, it was very, very involved. (laughs) Mine was Andy Carroll. Yeah, he's dramatic, as dramatic as his hair. It is about the only thing that Andy Carroll's going to win this season, isn't it? So next, best foreign language, which is one of the categories in the Academy Awards. So we've kind of adapted it. Just a Brit who's currently abroad doing great things. My choice, and it's a league and a player playing in the Greek leagues, I'm going to mention later and explain in a little bit more detail why, but just to keep it punchy, it's at Luke Steele from Barnsley to Panathinaikos. And uh, he's doing brilliant things. He's conceded just one goal, a solitary goal in 10 games. You know, the one thing about the Oscars, sometimes they go on and on and on, don't they, when you watch them? So I'll try I'll try and get through this quite quick. Um, I'm going to go for Paul Clement, the assistant boss at Real Madrid, because I think he will be a future Premier League manager. QPR, QPR. Yeah, well, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that when um, Tony Fernandez, QPR owner, tweeted about having his dream man in his sights, he was referring to Paul Clement. Now, we know that Chris Ramsey's been given the QPR job till the end of the season, but what's going to happen in the summer? I would imagine that Clement is sort of odds-on favourite now, given that that's all come out. So Paul Clement returning and hopefully managing in the Premier League one day soon. I should mention Gareth Bell, out and out, one of our most successful exports abroad. And he will go down so, I think, in years to come when we're looking back at retrospective lists. Quick shout out there, because obviously Gareth Bell's a very obvious one. Uh, Ryan Gould has gone from um, Dundee, now this is unlikely, Dundee to Sporting Lisbon for £3 million in the summer. He's one to watch, 18 years old, expected to be a regular in the first team in the next two to three years. Look out for Ryan Gould. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three women talking about football. I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I definitely prefer this. Well, England women are preparing for the Big World Cup, of course, in Canada this summer. They had a really good game against at USA, one of the best teams in the world. Lindsay, you were, of course, watching England up against USA. They narrowly lost 1-0, but it was a really good game, it has to be said, building up to the World Cup uh, against Canada in the summer. Yeah, it was kind of a bit of a warm-up game, but it's fine. They were, they were, they were OK. It was certainly a good billing. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a good game. I'm afraid I was left with not much in my taste buds afterwards. Oh, well, I, I didn't 
didn't watch it. I was just reading a few match reports and people seem to be quite positive about it. But you were obviously there and had a very different vision of it. But let's find out what Mark Sampson's view is and also Fran Kirby of England Ladies and Reading too. The female take on football. Mark, what have you taken from this friendly against the USA? 1-0 defeat tonight, but obviously the eye and the, the purpose of this was on the World Cup in the summer. Well, we, we saw how much the team has progressed. That was the most important thing for us tonight. We, we obviously wanted to win, so we're disappointed not to get that result because I really felt we deserved something out of the game. Uh, we obviously scored a very good goal, and the goal came at a time which, if it had been, if it stood like it should have, we had some plan changes, which I really felt we could have gone on and won the game from there, but it didn't. But in terms of progress the team has made, I'm, I'm delighted. You know, we, we knew we had to improve after that German performance and we showed a different side to this team tonight and that's going to be important come the summer. Are these friendlies also about giving you a selection headache, potentially? I hope so. I really hope I've got a load of players who are desperate to get on that plane come the summer and all playing well and I've got to make some tough phone calls. But you know, we've shown tonight the depth of the squad and not only the depth of quality, but the variety as well. And it's important now this team is that you know, no one's going to win a World Cup with only 11 players. You're going to have to use the group. And, and a lot of the group stood up tonight. The likes of Laura Bassett coming back into it. Joe Potter, first start in a long, long time. Frank Kirby, obviously Jill Scott coming back in the team. And, and Jody Taylor, you know, they really show that they want to play. They're, they're clearly good enough to play. And they give us some great options moving forward. And you know as well that you've now faced a, a couple of the toughest teams as well in Germany and the USA. I think there was a marked improvement tonight and that's what seems to be the general feeling in the press box as well. From our, in our opinion, there is. And we have to bear in mind the stage of the season these players are at. You know, two or three weeks ago, some of our lot were, were in the Caribbean or in some sunny climate in Europe laying down in the sun lounger. But, you know, we've had to come back, work hard in pre-season and, you know, the effort and the, the mentality the players show tonight... You know, shows what a close-knit group we are and the progress we made from the Germany game shows how quickly we can take lessons on board and improve. And if we can keep improving at that rate, come the summer we're going to be a difficult team to play against and that's where we want to be. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. Fran, you got player of the match in this friendly against the United States. How are you feeling about that and your overall performance? Yeah, I mean, I'm really proud. Obviously, um, I was lucky enough to get it against Sweden as well, so it's just amazing for me the kind of de- the kind of performances that I've been putting in against the tougher opposition, and I'm just relishing the challenge, and Mark's putting a lot of faith into me. Um, so, yeah, I'm just ultimately really proud and really happy. Let's talk about the big event this summer, Canada, your first World Cup. How are you feeling about it? I'm really excited. Um, I think it's going to be a massive occasion for women's football. Obviously, the tickets went out on sale, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and they've already sold nearly as much of the targets I think they were looking at. So, yeah, ultimately, just really, really excited. I know all the girls are, and everyone's just working really hard to make sure that they're at their peak when they get to there. All of the world's best players there. Are there a couple that you've got in mind to maybe get a signature from or a selfie or something like that? <laughs> you say that, and I've um, swapped shirts with Alex Morgan tonight. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean... Ultimately, I'm just going into the into the World Cup hoping to play as well as I could. Um, whether that's against the best players in the world, whether it's not, I mean, you just take each game as it comes. And if you're lucky enough to play against one of the best, you've got to make sure that you're ready to compete and you're ready to challenge them. Watch videos and hit subscribe to our YouTube channel, Offside Rule TV. Yeah, great to get really good reaction there. Thank you very much, Lindsay, for going along and providing us with that insight. And I got to meet Tilly and Teddy, who are Casey Stoney and Megan Harris's little twins. 
beautiful. They said to say hello, Kate, and to Aww. say hello to baby Arthur. Yes, because Megan and I were kind of preggers around the same time. Yeah. Although she was carrying two, God bless her. Aww. But really good. Tilly and Teddy, what great names. Lovely, and they were so cute. So, mm. sorry, we'll move on to topic two. Well, let's race around Europe really quickly and bring you up to date with the title races that are happening at the moment in the other leagues. Which one shall I go for first then? Shall we go with Bundesliga? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Uh, Wolfsburg, they beat Bayern Munich 4-1 at the end of January. You know what? In a slim, slim, slim way, it kept the title race alive, just about, because everybody knows that Bayern Munich are going to go on and win this by some margin. But uh, they Bayern did, when they lost that game, they lost their unbeaten record. Um, that was when they restarted the league, because of course over in Germany they have the lovely winter break that everybody wants in the UK, or well, the footballers do. Uh, so I suppose it does keep it open a little bit longer. Bayern only conceded four times in the first half of the entire season, so to concede four in just one game, it was a doubling of their goals against Tally in a single match. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll move on to Spain and La Liga. Real Madrid returned to winning ways at the weekend. So they still sit top of La Liga. That was after they were absolutely hammered by Atletico Madrid uh, last week. Um, in second, Barcelona. Now they thrash Levante 5-0, giving Lionel Messi his 300th league game with a record-equaling hat-trick level. So he basically has scored um, his 23rd La Liga treble, giving him a share of the record set by Real's Cristiano Ronaldo earlier this season. So hat-tricks ahoy there. Well done to Messi. Barcelona sitting in second, as I said. They've secured their 11th consecutive victory in all competitions. Interestingly, that matches the best consecutive run of um, games by Pep Guardiola. So they're getting back up there but Real Madrid first uh, Barcelona in second and in third Atletico they lost against mid-table Salta Vigo quite uh, a bit of um, press animosity towards them after that result but they sit in third six points behind Barca well let's head to neighbours in Portugal Benfica atop Porto a second Sporting Lisbon third Porto however still in the Champions League they face Basel in the knockout round they will fancy themselves with that one uh, but it could have a bit of a knock-on effect. They might drop out and Sporting Lisbon uh, jumping up into that second place. It's all very tight. So there's three teams still in it. What about leading scorers? Well, there's a Colombian and an Egyptian uh, leading the way out in Portugal. Jackson Martinez and then Egyptian striker Ahmed Hassan. Uh, they call him Coca. You think Coca? Perhaps he's, you know, Portuguese with a nickname like that. But he scored for the second straight game. So he moves second in the top scorers chart in that league. 35-year-old midfielder, Andre Andre, who is it. Portuguese. Yeah, Andre Andre. He is currently third. Now, the one thing I did want to mention, Jackson Martinez, I think we could soon see him playing yeah. in the Premier League. He is brilliant. 31 goals in 40 appearances across four competitions. Scored 26 of them in, in the league, helping Porto to get another league title. You must have seen him at the World Cup, did you, Linz? Because he was being watched out there. Mm. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, just because I want to rattle through this, mm. though. Um, it Was it on purpose that you gave me the one title I can't say? And you know that I struggle to say the French League. <laughs> uh. This is a really tight league, you know. Three-way race between Lyon, who are the current leaders, Marseille and PSG. Um, a little bit of nerve jangling going on, I think, because PSG drew one all at Lyon on Sunday. If one of those would have won, it would have really widened things out a little bit more. But Marseille as well, they slipped up in the, in the title race. They conceded a last-minute goal to Rennes in a two-all draw. They missed the chance to provisionally go top of the league when they lost that. Um, so at the moment... First, Lyon, 51 points. Marseille and PSG, just two points behind level. It could go all the way down to the wire. 
Are you liking this rattle through, folks? I think it's rather nice. It's like how to round up Europe and other surrounding leagues in 60 seconds. I'm going to go to Serie A. Uh, unlike your league, Liga, Lindsay, this is... <laughs> did you have to just show off that? Yeah, I did. Uh, this is um, a runaway so far for Juventus, who are seven points clear of AS Roma, who are in second. Um, both held to draws at the weekend, though. We've got Napoli, who are third place. Uh, they sit five points behind Roma. So um, three teams pretty spaced to part there at the top of Syria. Uh, Carlos Tevez is the leading goal scorer there with 14 goals for Juve. Mm. Wow, who'd have thunk? Right, let's move on to Greece. They're spending money on petrol bombs, flares, firecrackers <laughs> and taking them to games, particularly in a big, big derby out there described as one of the fiercest in world football, Olympiakos up against Panathinaikos. And could it be any more tense heading into the weekend's fixture? Olympiakos are first, Panathinaikos is our second and they have an identical last six games. Fans of either side aren't actually allowed to go to the stadiums. So Panathinaikos up against Olympiakos. It's just all Panathinaikos fans when they're at home and the same with Olympiakos. So real, real focus on this one. Olympiakos, as we know, have the advantage but it's going to be a very exciting uh, season. Olympiakos Champions League, of course, playing. They're in the Europa League at the moment. Panathinaikos wanting to qualify uh, for Champions League. So it is fierce. We'll update you on that as well in a, a week or two's time once that game has been played and it's all played out there in Greece. Well, let's just perk you up a little bit and head to Sean Thorne with our Twitter Topic of the Week. Twitter Topic of the Week. Well, with Mark Sampson on the pod as well, it's been a bit of a Bristolian loving uh, this week. Uh, speaking of which, the topic this week for uh, Twitter Topic of the Week is uh, your favourite displays of footballers show a particular affection or passion uh, for, a, for a football club. In a symbolic sense, obviously. Uh, Kirsty's gone for Henrik Larsson's uh, tears in his final game in a Celtic shirt. Uh, loads of you going for this one. Cheers to Harriet, Charlotte and Raman Paul for giving the nod to Gary Neville's pitch-length celebration after United scored that last-minute winner against Liverpool. In, I think that was 2006. Uh, it's definitely one of my favourites as well. It might cause a near riot, but see, I don't really care much for United. But when I watch that, I still, I, it still gets a smile on my face and a nod of approval from me. Uh, Jake Edwards, uh, he said tattoos are kind of hardcore. Uh, Podolsky's got cologne on his arm and uh, Agger's got uh, YNWA. Uh, you never walk alone on his knuckles, uh, didn't he? Uh, I'll tell you what, Jake, they're more on his fingers. So I think you're spot on when you're saying they're kind of hardcore uh, tattoos. Uh, Natasha Henry is going for a Thierry Henry when he made his return for Arsenal against Leeds in the cup, coming off the bench and scoring. Amazing moment. Cheers to everyone who got involved and I will hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much for that, Sean. We're moving on to Ibrahimovic, who's had names tattooed of 15 people on his body, starving people, showing support for the United Nations World Food Programme. It seems very extreme, but it again highlights the great and the good of the footballing world who go above and beyond for those charitable causes. So I'm going to ask you, for people, hopefully within this last year or the last season, who've done something in football that has really shocked, surprised and warmed the hearts... I'll go with my warming hearts one then first, and it's quite current. But then I'm going to look back and tell you one where this person might be quite regretful they were kind, OK? But we'll start with Mario Goetze, World Cup winner, auctions off his World Cup winning boot for charity, raises, I can't believe what I'm about to say, 
1.6 million pounds. And that money all went to charity. I don't think it can get much better than that, can it? That sort of money. Um, Just from a piece of memorabilia, it's something that he might have wanted to hang on to, but he was willing to auction off. um, And it all helped a heart for children as well as some other different charities. Um, I think it's brilliant. Really, really good. But let's have a little bit of a giggle, shall we, at um, Lee Cook's expense. In fact, I feel really sorry for him. Um, When Lee Cook left QPR back in 2007, he donated his 250 £50,000 signing on fee back to the club. Because back then, QPR were pretty cash-strapped. 2007, look it up, they weren't in a great position. However, he might have regretted that move because after he did his £2.5 million move to Fulham, to Craven Cottage, he didn't realise, did he, that two months later, two months they got taken over by a super mega rich owner, Flavio Briatore and Bernie Eccleston. It, of course, was a cruel twist of fate, but they had millions and millions. They've wasted lots of money on very much overplayed players. I'll leave it there. Yeah, I wonder what he said when they signed Christopher Samba. <laughs> 100 grand a week. Gutted. Uh, mine's a very, very quick one. Um, this isn't a massive act of charity. This is just a nice tale to tell. Jesse Mourinho was written to by a young Aston Villa fan. Dear Mr Mourinho, the letter said, my name is Jude. I'm six years old and I support Aston Villa. You're my favourite manager. Please could you manage Villa and bring Costa with you? We need help. Thank you very much from Jude Branson. Mourinho was so taken by this letter. He sent the lad a signed Aww. photo, but obviously didn't take over at Aston Villa. But I just thought that was a really nice tale. Aww. That's really cute. That is very cute. Well, what about the youth of the future? 23 children in Brazil were given free hospital treatment and support um, of having surgery through Mesut Ozil. We remember in a previous podcast that the World Cup and the nations had donated lots, Mesut Ozil being one of those. And he's actually been back to check on the progress of these children. Originally, he supported surgery of 11 sick kids but now that's gone up to 23 and he's been back and said thank you very much for the hospitality there so he's making sure that the 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 hospitality that Brazil treated him to and the money that he probably didn't need for playing for his national team has gone back into the nation that hosted the World Cup the Algeria World Cup team well they donated their entire World Cup prize fund to Gaza and Greece and we know the, the situation out there in the, at the moment. We've mentioned their economy. Well, they rejected the World Cup bonuses and asked for the money to be used to build a national training centre, saying we don't want extra bonus or money. We only play for Greece and its people. All we want is for you to support our effort and to find and land, create a sports centre that will house our national team. So there you have it. All about giving back. So last year's World Cup is really helping out this year. Really nice. It's nice to see the wealth spread, isn't it? So thanks, girls. Have you enjoyed it? I have, and I know that you love ending on these heartfelt stories. It brings a tear to your little glass eye, doesn't it? Yeah, my left glass eye. (laughs) Just a big softie, aren't you? (laughs) So thank you very much for listening. Continue to listen. If you're listening via Audio Boom, you can, of course, check us out on iTunes as well. And if you're listening via iTunes, make sure you go to the Audio Boom homepage and you can find lots more about us there. We have so many features. We have blogs. We have Team of the Weeks as well, don't we, Kate? As we've mentioned on our website, www www. Just in case you don't know how to use the World Wide Web. I only found out what the three W's uh, stood for a couple of years ago. That's how naff I am. So if you go to our website, head to our Twitter as well, at Offside Rule Pod. And of course, you can find us on our YouTube page as well. We'll be working with uh, McDonald's and the FA to help support grassroots football. So you could listen back to previous podcasts too. You can. So that's it from us. <laughs> 
Enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Let's just try and keep it going, shall we? It's an Oscars special. We should just keep... Like, how long can we go? I'm going to cry in a minute. <laughs> and the award for most annoying host and uh, no. goes to... No. Lindsay Hayley McQueen. Can I thank... Can I thank Lindsay's agent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd just like to thank everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network.